Hello and welcome to this GBM Media Podcast. You're about to hear Serving Today, a programme for pastors and church leaders. If you're involved in any form of Bible teaching, be that one-to-one or in smaller or larger groups, Serving Today will be relevant for you. Welcome to Serving Today, the programme for pastors and church leaders. This is Andrew Cook and it's good to be together once more. Paul's second prayer in the series on Ephesians. And Derek French on Christ our Advocate. In our previous programme here on Serving Today, we began to look at Chapter 3 of the New Testament letter to the Ephesians with the help of Ray Tibbs. Paul makes a big digression in the first part of this chapter, but now returns to the thought he began writing in verse 1 of Ephesians chapter 3. And here's Ray Tibbs to tell us more. We have here Paul's second prayer for the church from verses 14 through to 19. Paul reassures the Ephesian Christians of his prayers for them. He looks at God and then prays, rather than at the needs of the church. So, first of all, the reasons for his prayer are given in verses 14 and 15. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. First of all, we see that God dwells with his people. This is the truth Paul was affirming in chapter 2, verses 21 and 22. God has created a new unit of his people, which includes Gentiles, and he was present with them. Then God identifies himself with his people. It's possible to live with someone, but still keep your distance from them. God does not do that. He is pleased to let all heaven and earth know that these are his people. So what is the prayer for or about? Well, the request in prayer is in verse 16. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Here, Paul has just one petition, that the church will be strengthened with the power of God. He prays for the active operation of divine energy in each believing heart. This spiritual resource brings great potential to the life of the Christian who feels weak when attacked by the world, the flesh and the devil. And where does that strength come from? Well, we're told, first of all, that this strength comes from his riches. This reads literally according to the rich measure of his glory. It means such strength is in keeping with God himself and is no sense second rate. It is varied and abundant, having the same nature and quality as anything else that comes from God. It should not be doubted. Then it comes through the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is the agency through which this hidden vitality is delivered. 
But the same spirit also defines the nature of what is being conveyed. It is spiritual strength and Christ honouring strength. John 15 verse 26. And then thirdly, it goes into the inner man. This refers to the characteristics such as fortitude to withstand persecution or discernment to detect error or moral fibre to maintain righteous living. Paul prays for the church to have strength through God's power. What was Paul's aim in his prayer? The results of this prayer can be seen in verses 17 to 19. He prays that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So, first of all, there is union. This refers to ongoing communion with Christ. The primary outcome of this strength is a sense of his continuing presence. Through an ongoing trust in him, we have the confident assurance of his abiding settlement within our hearts. He is no stranger. Second, the result is devotion. This constant conscious indwelling results in a deepening affection for Christ. There is a stable, well-established relationship which is unwavering in the face of hostile influences. Such an unshakable commitment produces a tangible fellowship with Christ. Then the third result is comprehension. Paul wants the Ephesian Christians and other believers elsewhere to come to terms with the magnitude of the love of Christ for them. That means more than just becoming familiar with the facts, it involves working through the explanation of them and careful consideration of their implications for their lives. So Paul's prayer for the Ephesians is that they might have a deeper relationship and devotion to Christ, as well as an awareness of the greatness of his love. What else can we learn from this prayer? Yes, there's the matter of experience. Comprehension alone is not enough. When believers really take this amazing truth to heart, their understanding will radically affect how they live. Such enlightenment is powerful and life-transforming. They must lay hold of it so that it alters their whole outlook and conduct. Then there is a sense of completion. God can give us all we need for us to operate at our fullest potential as a Christian. This is not the same as sinless perfection. He gives of himself so that we may become more like Christ. He will give whatever is appropriate and 
he will give generously. And how might we apply these truths to ourselves? Well, we too are the dwelling place of God. And we need the same spiritual strength as those Ephesian Christians did, so that our lives can testify to his ownership of us and his presence within us. Let me ask you, are you praying for this for yourself and for other members of your church and for believers far away? Many thanks indeed, Ray. And now in the series on the names of Christ is someone who needs no introduction. It's Derek French. The name of Christ we're going to consider today is Advocate. An advocate is someone who speaks in the defence of another, one who pleads their cause. It is, of course, a legal term used particularly in a court of law. This title is found in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 1. In this first verse, John tells us his purpose in writing his letter is that the Christian believer would not sin. Sin is something we should never have a shallow and light view about. Far from it. There should be a holy horror of sin, a godly hatred of it in the believer's heart. That is to be our continual attitude to sin. We forsake it. But John also knows that though we no longer live in a continuous state of sinfulness, in actual fact on occasions we still do sin, even though we are the Lord's dear children. We ought not to, but alas on occasions in our folly and weakness we do. The result of this is that we could fall into despair and fear all is lost because we have sinned. But John, or really the Lord through John, wonderfully comes to our aid and tells us something exceedingly precious about the Lord Jesus Christ, our Saviour. Namely, he is our advocate. The term literally means one called alongside to help and assist another. Indeed, a number of Bible translations translate it in its literal form rather than the single word advocate. As I mentioned earlier, it was used to describe a defence barrister whose responsibility was to defend the accused. And John applies it to Jesus, and this is remarkably reassuring and comforting. We know from Revelation 12 verse 10 that we have an accuser in the person of the devil. But he's no match for the Lord Jesus Christ, because he defends us before his Father in the very court of heaven. We're already God's children whom he loves and forgives because we are his own. And Jesus is our Saviour who's paid the price for our sin through his death on the cross, which John describes in the next verse as our propitiation. Jesus has turned God's wrath for our sin away from us by taking it all on himself when he died on the cross. We have already entered the family of God and know him as our Father. And so when we do on occasion sin, Christ pleads on our behalf to the Father. The sacrifice for sin has been paid in full at Calvary. And now the Lord Jesus Christ defends us to his Father because the price of our sin has been paid. In many ways this was foreshadowed by the high priest in the Old Testament entering the most holy place once a year on the Day of Atonement with the blood of the sacrifice that had been made for the people of Israel. He pleaded with the Father on their behalf on the basis of the shed blood. It's the same with Jesus now. A difference between him and a barrister in court is that Jesus does not pretend we have not sinned. Indeed, we are told in John's first chapter that we are to confess our sins to God. But Jesus pleads the great accomplishment he made for us in relation to our sin when he died at Calvary. He's paid the law's penalty in full for each of his children, and it is this he pleads effectively before the Father. He is the believer's advocate. 
He's also described by John in our verse as Jesus Christ the righteous. In his humanity, he is the promised saviour and king of his people, and he's able to plead our case because he is righteous. Hebrews 7 verse 26 describes him as such a high priest that meets our need, one who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. He fulfills all the righteous requirements for the law, both in his perfect obedience and in the death and shedding of his precious blood upon the cross. He has met all the demands of the law perfectly and pleads for his precious children when they fall into sin. We're already justified the moment we believe, so we don't need to be justified again, but rather to receive the Father's forgiveness and pardon, and Jesus, as our advocate, secures that for us. What wonderfully reassuring and comforting words to read, and how blessed to know that in the Lord Jesus Christ we have an advocate who pleads for us in the court of heaven. This is surely a cause for grateful praise to him and a real stimulus for the believer to be deterred from living a life of perpetual sinfulness, which was John's purpose in writing his first letter. Thanks to Derek French. And that's all we have time for here on Serving Today. This is Andrew Cook saying goodbye and may God bless you. That was Serving Today, a podcast from the Grace Baptist Mission radio team. To get in touch, you can email us. The address is servingtoday at gbm.org.uk or find us on Twitter at servingtodaygbm. You can also search our back catalogue from our webpage www.gbm.org.uk forward slash radio. Thanks for listening and goodbye.